The Six Man Podcast. Yeah. 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 Booming out and stop with Nelly Lou. Six men like Lou. Welcome back, folks, to the Sixth Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association, with yours truly, Alex Moskowitz from the Emory Wheel Sports Section, and Aaron Perlstein from Fan Interactive. Okay, so this podcast will be broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So after a league-altering trade in the NBA, which Russell Westbrook was traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Houston Rockets, with Chris Paul going the other way from the Rockets to the Thunder, we will begin with the question session. So the question session is presented by Grip, the best new power brand on the East Coast. Go to godsgrip.bigcartel.com today. Okay, so Aaron, the first question. Does the Rockets trade for Russ put them in contention for the Western Conference title? No, I don't think so. I mean, like I said with the Lakers and the Nets, it's just time will tell if this mesh, if they'll mesh together, you know, if the, t- if the piece is put together. But, I mean, if you look at it, James Harden has a player impact rating of 20.4 and a usage rate of uh, around 39.4, which is the highest in the NBA. And Russ has a 16.3 player impact rating and a 30.1 usage rate, which is around 10th. And those don't match together. You know, you don't see two teammates like that high up together. You know, so it's still going to be interesting if these two could work together, if they could give up some of that usage rate to each other. And but I'm anxious to see if it will work because obviously you're putting two MVPs together. Um, so I think we'll see. But you know it doesn't really matter because the Rockets didn't really give up much if you think about it. They gave yeah, they up two future up first round picks and a swap much later, like 2026, 20, and they gave up Chris Paul who they were trying to move. So you know this isn't a move that's uh, franchise altering for a few years or f- future uh, depend. Like it doesn't really matter for them. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I mean. First of all, you have two guys who are both alphas, so how will they coexist? And it typically takes teams, you know, you saw with the Heat back in 2010 when LeBron joined D-Wade, it took them a year to really get acclimated. And both of these guys are are kind of at the back end of, not necessarily the back end of their prime, but they're at the back nine of their career, and they're firmly in their prime with, uh, in, with a team that's super win now, especially with the cap, and also... Uh, I think a problem with this is the fact that they really still don't have an established, in my opinion, good coach. Mike D'Antoni has failed in tons of different systems. Uh, He's never been able to lead a team past the conference finals. Even when Kevin Durant went out last year and everybody was saying this is their opportunity. This is their time to seize the moment and get past the Warriors. They reverted to ISO basketball because Mike D'Antoni has no control over James Harden and ultimately came back to bite them in the butt. And uh, I think one thing about this trade is the fact that it still doesn't address their their extremely brittle front court. I mean, they only have they have Clint Cabela, who's a reputable center. He's a good he's a well he's a good center. Then at power forward, or well, not even at power forward, at their forward spots, the only two people that you can say belong on an NBA roster is Kenneth Fareed and PJ Tucker. And those guys aren't breaking the bank, man. They're not incredible. So 
I mean, their strength of, the strength of their team already was their guard play with Eric Gordon, Austin Rivers, uh, Gerald Green, Chris Paul, James Harden. And Russell Westbrook is better than Chris Paul is individually, but collectively, will he be better, especially considering he doesn't shoot well from three and Harden needs the space to drive? And I have extreme questions about whether this will actually vault them into that upper echelon and really put them in contention for the Western Conference title next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if... I think it's the West is too much for them right now. Like you said, their their front court, it's uh, it's it's not up to par yet. You know, if you see if you put them against the Jazz, if you put them against the Clippers, they they just don't really match up well. Because I mean, Clint Capella could play, but PJ Tucker is a small four. You know, he could space the floor, but and play defense, but he's still small for the four position. Yeah, and and the fact of the matter is, if they're matching up against the Clippers, who I predict will will win the uh, will finish with the top record in the West. So you say the Rockets fall in the middle around four or five. So they match up against the Clippers in the playoffs. Their current starting line of the Rockets is Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, and Clint Capella. So are you going to put one of those three guards on Paul George or Kawhi Leonard? I mean, they'll eat him alive. Those two will destroy those guards. They're too big. They're too strong. I mean, even Klay Thompson, a big guard who's one of the best defenders in the NBA, could not stay with Kawhi Leonard. So I see extreme question marks on the defensive end. On the offensive end, I think it's not the best fit because Russell Westbrook can't shoot the three. He shot 29% from three last year. And they still have a weak front court. They have one shot blocker. If, if Clint Cabela goes down during the season... Their backup is Deontay Davis, a guy who did not play valuable minutes for them last year, considering they had Nene last year. They had other big men who could step in for Clint Cabela. But I think that's a huge area of concern for the Rockets. For the Rockets. Also, given their, their tight cap situation, you know, there's not, there's not very much flexibility because they're so tight up against the cap because they have so much tied down to James Harden and Russell Westbrook, they it will prevent them from getting that impact center during the trade deadline unless they, you know, move a guy like Eric Gordon who has a big contract or uh I mean really they they have their contracts tied up in Clint Cabela, Eric Gordon, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So, you're not moving one of those four guys if you expect to win if you expect to compete for the Western Conference. So, they really have little flexibility to add a guy behind Clint Cabela, well, I mean, and that really concerns me. They've been trying to move Eric Gordon this whole summer, to be honest. You know, it's it's pretty low line, but they've been trying to move him pretty uh, aggressively. Um, and I could see them moving it, moving just for depth. And I mean, they, it just this trade can't be talked about with like the Paul George trade and all that stuff oh, because yeah. because they didn't give up that much. So they're really not like I mean, Russell Westbrook's contract is up in two years, like. I think it's up it's, in three it's, years. It's, an ex- it's up in it's three, three years. years. Okay. Yeah. It's an experiment, you know. It, it will, you'll see if it works. And they didn't give up that much. So yeah, they need a bench unit. But like, this isn't like I said, a franchise altering trade. Like, like I think the, it the could Paul be. George I think could, it could, could be, be franchise altering in the future. It could set them back if they don't end up reaching their ultimate goal, which is getting to the finals and winning the NBA championship. It could set them back for years to come, considering they gave up. 
2024 first round pick, 2026 first round pick. They give up two pick swaps, and they also took on one of the three worst contracts in the entire NBA. Considering Russell Westbrook obviously averaged a triple-double last year. He was a good player, but his efficiency was poor. He shot 65% from the free throw line, 29% from three, and he really relies on his athleticism, and it showed in his... It, it decreased a slight bit last year, and it will continue to decrease you know, as he gets older. And given that he has... He's owed $47 million in his age 34 season. I mean, that looks like a Carmelo Anthony contract right there to me. And as a Knicks fan, I know plenty about how freaking bad that was. Yeah, but you guys gave up more than what the Rockets gave up in this one. But we also acquired him when he was 27 before he signed a big... No, I mean, we acquired him, then he signed, he opted out. And then we signed him to that horrible contract, which was five years, 124 Right, right, right. I'm just making the case that they didn't give up that much for Russ, especially for his value in the NBA right now. So, I mean, of course, it might not work, but they didn't get like they didn't destroy their future. Like you said, they still have picks everywhere. You know, they still have trade assets like they can 100 percent still come back from this. If they don't, I don't think the they have picks everywhere because they traded a lot of picks to get the current guys they have now. So that's why I think it a, lo- was, a lot of it was like put, current picks that have already been made. Like who? Well, I mean, to get like Eric Gordon and all those guys, they were trading future picks, but those picks have already been gone. I think I'm almost positive they don't have. They've traded away a ton of their current, their well, upcoming that's why we first have round draft picks. So, like, I know, yeah. Obviously, they'll get one every two years, but I've seen with my Knicks when they've traded away. Tons of first rounders in hopes of obviously the Rockets are closer to contention than the Knicks are. But, you know, given that I've seen with my Knicks, they've traded away their first round picks, they've mortgaged their future, and ultimately it's resulted in extreme futility for the Knicks up until now when they finally have first round picks. Um, so I'm skeptical about, first of all, the fit and whether it was a good trade in the in the long run for the Rockets. Okay, so given that Chris Paul was traded the other way for Russell for Russell Westbrook in the trade, what do the Thunder now do with an aging Chris Paul? Well, I'm hearing that uh, they're going to obviously sit Chris Paul down. Like They both don't expect Chris Paul to be there for very long. You know, Chris Paul wants to move on, and the Thunder want to move on with him. They, they weren't expecting to keep him. Um, and I'm hearing they'll explore trades with like Miami or people that have cap space and big contracts that they could swap because obviously Chris Paul is a huge contract that you can't just swap young players for. Um, so, you know, Miami's shown interest in giving up like Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo or something like that. Um, but, you know, they're really open to anything and open to just get that contract out of it. Uh, out of the thunder because that was obviously wasn't the move. It was to just get Russell Westbrook's bigger contract than Chris Paul's out and get some picks. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I also think they will. I mean, they have all the leverage right now because they're not going to buy Chris Paul out. They're not going to buy him out of his three-year, hundred twenty million. And no matter what Chris Paul wants to do, he doesn't hold the cards. Ultimately, the Thunder have the leverage because he has a three-year contract, and I suspect that the Thunder will keep him on for a little bit and wait until the trade deadline where a team in extreme win-now mode 
becomes point guard hungry and becomes desperate, and they're able to extract assets from that team, namely the Los Angeles Lakers, um, and trade Chris Paul to them. No, I don't see them keeping on to him that long. I don't even think he's going to play in a Thunder jersey, to be honest with you. But why wouldn't they wait? Because There's so many teams in win-now mode right now. It's amazing. This is what the league has come to, and I, I love it. There's half of teams, half of the teams are in win-now mode, competing for playoff spots, and then half of them just shit the bed and they suck. So, really, I think there are a lot of teams that are in a market, in the market for Chris Paul. Obviously, his contract is terrible, but there are a few teams that that will be desperate by the time you know, um, you know, trade. Uh, the trade deadline comes, and I mean, I, I'm singling out the Lakers because I feel like the Clippers will steal their thunder at the. Huh. I know it's pretty, it's clever, whatever, fun. But <clears throat> I feel like they'll steal their thunder, and you know, be better than the Lakers, especially at the beginning of the season, given that they have a more talented roster, in my opinion. So I think the Lakers will do whatever it takes. To upstage the Clippers, but and also given that LeBron is aging, I think they'll bring down, bring back, um, bring on his banana boat buddy. And right. you need to understand, like you said, like that you made a case a few episodes ago of how much the players uh, like dictate moves and just the NBA as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. And Chris Paul with his longtime agent and you know the whole agency. He's not playing for the Thunder, and he knows that. He's but, not going to want to play for the Thunder. But he can't dictate whether or not he plays for the Thunder. No, he, he's he under contract. Will. He no. has three I understand years, that, but that's not how the NBA is working. Dollars. That's not how the NBA is working right now, and you know that. How, how is that not how the NBA is working? Because Chris Paul will go to Thunder, demand a trade. Obviously, they'll explore trades, and he's not playing. He's not. He's going to do a Jimmy Butler. He's not going to play on the Thunder. He's not. I mean, he has he has integrity. I think Chris Paul has too much integrity not to suit up for a team. And also, keep in mind the fact that he does have a somewhat personal connection to the Oklahoma City Thunder, given that he played a full season in Oklahoma City. No, he didn't. When yes, he did. When um, when there was Hurricane Katrina, uh, and they were forced to move all their games to Oklahoma City, right. and he helped out in the community. And I think, I don't think. Chris Paul, considering that he has pride, and he's one of the even no, when he, what I'm even saying when is they will of, find a listen, trade. Listen, even for when him he wanted out of New Orleans, he still played. No, they'll find a trade for him. I promise. Very soon. I really think they are going to try to use their leverage as much as possible, and they have enough cap space and they have enough time to eat up his contract. Yeah, but they so don't have I as much leverage as you think they do. Because what happens if no one wants no one wants that contract exactly like. The Rockets, like I said about Eric Gordon, they were aggressively trying to trade him all summer. They did that with Chris Paul, hundred percent too. They were trying to find him. They, you know, they they asked the Knicks, they asked all these guys, and they're like, no, like if you want us to take him on, that means like two, three first round picks paired with him, obviously. And that's why the Thunder don't have that much leverage because the NBA doesn't want Chris Paul. You know, there are teams that want Chris Paul, no, but they don't want that, that contract. Use- if they wanted Chris Paul, he would have been traded already because that's how hard Daryl Morey was aggressively trying to trade him in this market this whole. But, but in my opinion, if you wait, though, that that's why that's why you're making my point 
about waiting to gain more leverage, considering that teams will yeah, be in what win now if, mode. What happens if then you, you sit lose on that contract? Like, like the Thunder have so much cap space anyway, and you have to get up to ninety percent of the cap, like no matter what. So if they have to sit, I mean, they're not. They're rebuilding. They're in full rebuild mode. So if you have to sit on that contract, like, big deal. Ultimately. Yeah, but why can't you accumulate assets off of it? And But I think you can accumulate more assets, more assets the longer you wait on it and the more desperate you make teams like the Lakers become. Okay, next question. Does the Marcus Morris signing make sense for the Knicks? No, I mean they've signed four point guard, power forwards this summer. But like I explained to you last night, these are all trade assets. You know, it makes yeah. if you make sense if you look at it in that way. You know, there would be no reason to have Wayne and Ellington, Reggie Bullock, Bobby Portis, all these guys on the Josh Gibson, all, all all these guys on the same roster. But they're just accumulating trade assets for any Knicks fans out there. Your team is not expecting to keep all of these players that they've signed. You know, like uh, Alex said, you know, you need to hit the ninety percent cap. Yeah. Hit. So, you know, you missed out on all the max contracts, but you needed to hit a point or like the floor of how much you had to like bring in in the offseason. So that's why you're just bringing in players and accumulating assets. But if we're talking about Marcus Morris, just as a singular Marcus Morris, I think it was not a good signing. I don't think he's worth $50 million. I think he's worth more of what the Spurs gave him. He only shot 44% from the field. Yeah, that's good, but he's a small four. And what sets him apart from the pack is his three-point shooting, and he shot 37%. From 37% three. for a stretch four is pretty good from three. Yeah, but it doesn't like set him apart from the pack And also, much. he averaged his career high in 14 points per game. 14 points per game last year. He contributed seven rebounds per game. So, especially in, in today's NBA, where Chris Middleton's getting fucking $36 million per year, a five-year $178 million contract, I don't think it's a bad signing, especially if it's one year. They'll be able to move that expiring contract to a team that's extremely desperate. As I've said before, there are tons of teams in win-now mode. So I think it's a good—I uh, mean, for, from a basketball you know, perspective and you know, contending for next season, which they're trying to make it out as if that was their goal with this signing, that's clearly not their goal. But in terms of accumulating assets and reaching that cap floor without— compromising your financial flexibility in the future, I think it's a good trade. Okay, so Aaron, given that Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul were both traded, who are some other players, some big names, who you think will be traded by the start of, of training camp? Well, I'm hearing a lot of rumbling about Steven Adams. I mean, obviously, we're, the Thunder are trying to move all their big contracts, and he still has $52 million left over two years. And I've heard a lot of teams are actually interested in the big man. I mean, the center position is pretty scarce in the NBA these days. So I hear the Cavs want him. The Cavs like him a lot. They they were they were really trying to get into a three-team trade with Miami, you know, getting Steven Adams while uh the Miami got Russ Westbrook before it, you know, they they weren't the Thunder weren't getting as many assets as they wanted and then they moved to the Rockets. Um, you know, but the Cavs, they have Deion Waiters, they have J.R. Smith, they have a lot of picks. And it is a good fit if you think about it. He does fit with like Darius Garland in a pick and roll setting and stuff Definitely. like that. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the Cavs are a good fit, given that Stephen Adams is still young, so he's a pretty appealing prospect for a team that has so much cap space in the in the Cavs. And he's like one of the last players in the NBA that plays so hard every exactly. Night. That's true. And also, yeah, he said he sets um, he sets 
a good culture, a good example. Um, I think he'll be, if he was traded to the Cavs, I think he'll be part of restoring the pride and integrity of the franchise that's kind of left since LeBron and Kyrie have left. Also, obviously, the Cavs have tons of assets. Yeah. They have Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Windler. Those guys, I didn't love the picks, but still, they are young players who have a lot of potential upside, especially Kevin Porter Jr. And on a team that's rebuilding the Thunder, I think it would be a pretty smart move to acquire him. They're not giving him up. They just they only give up picks instead of that. They like Kevin Porter a lot there. Okay, I don't know but why, I think but they do. Okay. Um, um, another one, I mean, Kevin Love uh, in Cleveland, you know, at, in the other side of it. Uh, he's still I don't know a, who's taking him, though. Yeah, I mean, like, he's still getting $29 million a year. They, they extended him to extension last year. Um, you know, that was pretty puzzling. Um, but, yeah, and he's on this rebuild team that's he's just eating at their cap space. But, you know, I could see Miami taking out if they were if they wanted to take on Russell Westbrook's contract. I could see them taking on the Miami uh, Kevin Love's contract. Dude, who on earth would take on that contract for Kevin Love without the Cavs providing some type of compensation? Right, of course, they'll first of all, have to. listen to this. He had his worst season by far last year. He's on the wrong end of thirty now. He he averaged seventeen points per game for a guy that's supposed to be a stretch four. Shot thirty six percent from three and only. 38% overall from the field. He only played 22 games last year. So, like, first of all, like, what the hell are the Cavs doing? Yeah, but he was highly effective him? next to superstars like Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. So if you put But in, you knew he like, they resigned him last year no, after LeBron yeah, had course, left. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm not agreeing with that extension. But I'm saying if the Heat think about it, Jimmy Butler might be able to bring goodness out of him get him open shots and stuff like that like we saw in cleveland that's all i'm saying i guess yeah so obviously another one like we talked about chris paul but how are they going to make that work with the cap like they were already they're already pretty cash strapped no i mean the they, they they have a lot of assets that are up like 10 oh million, yeah goran dragic well, goran dragic has a, a one-year 19 million yeah um but i mean uh, Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, they're that's all at true. 10, 11 million dollars a year for like three years. Okay. So that's okay. definitely enough. Yeah. You're um, right. Like we said, Chris Paul is another one. Yep. Um, so, but we talked about that already. Uh, another one, I mean, Dennis Schroeder. It's anyone who takes him. Andre Robertson, Dennis not Schroeder. Bad. He's, of course, Dennis he's Schroeder's not bad. He's not a bad player. Just, he's, not, he's just so overpriced. He's overpriced, and the Thunder are obviously just trying to start over. So that's why any player that you could actually get some assets for are on the block. So that's why we put Dennis Schroeder and Andre Robers in right now. Uh, the teams that make the sense for, I mean, both. I mean, the Sixers could use one of them, definitely off the bench. Definitely. I mean, the Sixers lost TJ McConnell, or sorry, TJ McConnell, their backup point guard, their heart and soul, a leader on their team. Right. Um, this offseason. So bringing in a backup point guard to Ben Simmons, especially a guy who can, I mean, Schroeder's developed into a good shooter. Right. He's not the same dynamic playmaker. Yeah, but he could 100%. Just, but he's, he's a quality starting caliber point guard yeah. in the NBA. So I think that would make a ton of sense considering they're in big time win now mode. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how they juggle the contracts considering they're, I mean, they shelled out so yeah. much money. I mean, but yeah, that's, that's a job for the, for the, uh, the higher ups in those organizations, not <laughs> us. Yeah. I mean, uh, I said another one, this is obviously Probably not going to happen, but the Clippers make sense. You know, they need a little bit of a point they guard. They do. Patrick Beverly is much better as a six man. I agree. Um, yeah. 
but I don't see them finding a way to get Dennis But Schroeder Paul George there. and Kawhi Leonard can both handle the ball. Of course, though. of course. That's the thing about these stars now. They really they all can play tons of different tons of different positions and do a lot of different things. Right. Um and then for another one that makes sense for Schroeder is the Mavs. I think they've been looking for a point guard this whole summer. You know, they thought they were in the lead for Kemba Walker. They thought they could get, they could pry all these other point guards away, yeah, and they desperately signed Seth Curry, right? Exactly, to be their backup. But so he's not a point guard. If you find Dennis Schroeder next to Luca in that starting lineup, that's definitely a big, uh, you know, increase and nice addition. Uh, for Andre Robertson, I mean, every team should be interested in this guy. You know, he's just a defensive-oriented guy that could come off the bench and be a spark on defense. Problem is, he can't shoot to save his butt. right. Of course, but so many contenders shoot a lick. Need, so many contenders need help on the defensive end. Like, they don't need that much shooting. Like, we talked about the Rockets. He would 100% help the Rockets. But bench. in terms of the Rockets, they they need guys in the front court who can help. They don't need guys. They already have so many different guards. Gerald Green, Austin Rivers coming off the bench. Yeah, Gerald that's Green where Austin. The, that's where they get the majority of their scoring and their defense. They need front court depth. Andre Robertson, as tenacious as he is on defense, I mean, he can't shoot. They kind of need shooting off the bench. They also need, I mean, he's not big, and he's kind of limited because he's pretty skinny. So, obviously, he can lock down the opposing one or two guard, but he's not going to help out guarding Chris Paul, or sorry, um, Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. Uh, He's definitely a questionable guy on the Rockets, but I mean, a lot of other contenders could definitely use him. He's a a guy that could really turn the tide. He's someone that's like at the trade deadline. You know, I I could see him staying on the Thunder for a pretty long time. Especially considering he's young too. Right. And they getting like some, a player in a second round pick or like a late first round pick um, for a team like the Pacers or the Bucks or someone to bring him off the bench to play defense. That's a good addition. Lastly, I mean, well, not lastly, but Chris Dunn uh, in Chicago, what I've been hearing is he has one foot out the door. Um, I mean, he has the same agent as Kobe White, first of all. Everyone has to know that. So the agency isn't very happy. Um, when the Bulls asked for a workout with Kobe White, the, his agent said no, which is obvious because... Wow. So uh, there is a little bit of drama that no one's really listening about in Chicago <laughs> with Chris Dunn. And, you know, we now have four... They, they now have four point guards on the roster. Uh, Sadoransky can play the two, but he he is he can play the one, and they're expecting him to pl- be able to play the one. Um, but you know, yesterday in the summer league, Jim Boylan did like say his starting lineup, and he he used Chris Dunn. He expected Chris Dunn to be there at the start of the season. So we are getting a lot of mixed messages out of Chicago. But one thing I know is Chris Dunn has one foot out the door, and he's he's ready to move on. Yeah, I think Chris Gon- Chris Dunn is a goner in Chicago. I think his he still days has a lot numbered. Him. He still has a lot are numbered. Him. He was very ineffective last year. He took a step back as opposed to a step forward, which was expected in his uh, in his fourth year in the NBA. It was expected after a good third year, which is when those guys, those good young guys, make that leap the third year. And he took a step back. He turned the ball over more. His shooting. Well, um, if you actually look at the statistics, he was much, much more effective without Zach Levine on the floor. So I don't think he's learned how to play with Zach Levine yet, someone who's also a ball-dominant po- uh, point guard. So that's why, as a Bulls fan, I don't want— Zach Levine isn't a point guard. Okay, Zach well, Levine is a two-guard. He's a, but he's ball-dominant. He can't dominant. pass. He's, ball he's dominant. very ball-dominant. Um, but 
as a Bulls fan, I don't really want Chris Dunn traded. I think he'll be effective off the bench without Zach Levine on the floor like he was last year. So that's all. Lastly, who we got? Okay, we have Bradley Beal. Now, Bradley Beal is a stud. He's a baller. But the Wizards are in disarray. And for some reason, they're holding on to him like it's like their prize and possession. And the Wizards could get a crap ton for him considering They've he's been able in to, his prime. They could get the crap ton for the last three years. He averaged 26 points per game. Five rebounds and five assists last year. They've been able to get a crap ton for him for the last three years, and for some reason they won't do it. But regardless, in terms of fit, he should be traded, yeah. and it would it would jumpstart their rebuild and ultimately allow them to better position themselves for the future. So, in terms of you know what what we would do if we were GMs, Bradley Beal's out the door. Yes, but um, some of the fits we have. Miami, I think he would be a perfect complement to Jimmy Butler, given that Jimmy Butler is a slasher. He's hard-nosed. Bradley Beal's also intense. Mm-hmm. And both of those guys play defense. And Bradley Beal doesn't really need – he's not super ball-dominant. He more comes off screens. Right. He can sh- – I mean, he can do a lot of everything. But he can also spot up and shoot yeah, extremely definitely. well. So I think he would fit – Perfectly next yeah, to Jimmy I mean, Butler at the two. They can 100% like facilitate a trade there. I mean, if you give up like Justice Winslow and a pick or something like that, and like maybe James Johnson or something like that to just kind of help move the tide a little bit, they could 100% make a trade. And that team, you know, everyone wants to shit on Jimmy Butler for saying he wanted to win and then going to Miami. That team could 100% make some noise in the Eastern Conference. You know, Goran Dragic I agree. next with Jimmy Butler and... Bradley Beal, and if they hold on to Bam Adebayo, who's still really developing, that's a good team. That's a really good team. But yeah, obviously, team. we're talking hypothetical. Bradley Beal obviously hasn't been traded yet, but they should definitely explore that. Uh, another team, the Pelicans. I mean, the Pelicans really wanted him before the draft. They were looking to trade the third pick for him. Um, you know, it could definitely help them. Uh they're Especially young, next to Drew Holiday. Yeah, they're a young team. I mean, that's a beautiful backcourt. It's one of, of the better backcourts in the entire Western Conference, in my opinion. Yeah, probably. Considering yeah. Drew Holiday is a great defender, really good facilitator, and what Drew Holiday lacks is shooting. And Bradley Beal is a lights-out shooter. So I think in terms of fit, that would be incredible. He'd also be able to mentor the younger players that uh, the Pelicans have brought in yeah. during this offseason. Another fit, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, next to Kyrie Irving, I think that would be dynamic. I think I'm just I'm a little skeptical of that. I don't know who they would give up. I don't know who they would be willing I mean, to give up. I think they would give up Jared Allen. I mean, they have Jared Allen. Yeah, but is Jared Allen enough to turn the tide? I, I don't. No, think so. they'd have to give up a little more. But they have picks. They never. They haven't traded away really any of their picks for yeah, to compromise their future. They're pretty scared. Exactly, and Jared Allen. Was play, has played his third straight summer league. So obviously, given that they signed DeAndre Jordan this past offseason, and, signed, he's and, clearly, and drafted Claxton. Exactly. He's clearly not in their plans, even though he's a good player. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't it's be. a little confusing. But I think the Brooklyn Nets are a really good fit. And that caps the 14th episode of the Sixth Man Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you back here next Thursday.